0: This is Savanting the Idiot. I'm Sensational Sense, and I'm your Uncle Death Metal Douglas. Uncle Doug, I don't Death know this uncle DMD. stuff. <laughs> Jumping up and down on the roof, but anyways, uh, I I need to make some corrections from the show prior to having our guest uh, Gary. And that would be who sh- did a really good job, by the way. Shout out to Gary. Yes. It, shout out to our first official guest, yeah, he Gary great. Clappert, man. I think he did a, a you know a bang up job, man. Yeah, hey, that he needs was to come back too. fucking awesome. Of course, we could jam too with the instruments with him. That would be awesome. Yeah, later on, you know, we'll probably work stuff like that in where we'll, we'll have like jamming sessions with our guests that are a- actually happen to be musicians as well. So um, yeah, but um, that Any- would be podcast because the podcast that we did with Gary was actually number six. So the prior, the one prior to that would have been five. Yeah, I need to make some corrections to podcast to the end number five. Of podcast five. Yeah. Okay. I was. We were talking about Morbid Angel, and um, I mentioned that the uh, one of the the lead sing, the original lead singer, who quit for a while. He came back and he quit again. He plays bass too while he sings. Dave Vincent. He put a book out a few months back. I haven't read yet. That's like on my bucket list as far as books go. And um, I, you were asking me about who the other singer was. There's a guy named Steve Tucker who took over his his, you know, in 2001. All right. And uh, when Dave Vincent came back in 2005, he quit again a few years later, and Steve Tucker came back. I said something about Trey. Trey Agazoff is the guitar player. He's always been Morbid Angel's guitar player since day one. Okay. The, the core members was him, Dave Vincent, and the drummer, Pete Sandoval. But Pete Sandoval's been out of the band for nearly a decade. He just... Uh, I mean, death penal drums, once you get... You know how fast they play, right? Yeah, of course. His feet are probably done, man. I wonder if he can even walk anymore. <laughs> that guy plays so Yeah, it's so funny, because you asked me the other day, because I mentioned like blast beats, and you were like, oh, you're playing a blast beat contradicting yourself on, on Savanting the Idiot. But actually, officially... That when I do that double bass rhythm, that's not actually a, a blast beat per se. Like, blast beats is the snares like it. No, because the <laughs> snare has to be real fast. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you hear <laughs> <laughs> it, like blast beats is like almost a blur. Like it this. is. It's, it's, well, see, what, where, where the really fast drums came into, it came out of punk rock before metal. Yeah. If there's a movie uh, before double bass because yeah. they were going as They're fast doing as a, they could with, with one bass exactly. drum. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the first band to play like that, that fast. You know, you had Motorhead and the Damned in the 70s. They were doing like, do-da, 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 do, that, do, that, do, that, do that. That's okay. kind of fast and going a little faster yeah. than that. But the first band, I think they invented thrash, but they don't even take credit for it. Okay. It's band called the Circle Jerks. All right. If you ever see the movie- Circle uh, Jerks. That's a yeah, great name. They, They're badass. they uh, I've seen them in concert in the 80s. I met the guitar player, Greg Hudson. That's they played a- at Summers on the Beach in 87 in my senior year in high school. That's an uh, this off the, the whole thing, but that was another weird name that I had come up with was the Sonic Circle Jerkers, or Sonic Circle Jerks, <laughs> or something. Like that. Anyway, you go might on. have heard the name Circle Jerks you, at some point. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they are Jer- pretty big. Yeah, you know. obviously that's you know. Well, they're like one of the you know you got the speed metal thing with Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax, and Megadeth. And then with hardcore, it's kind of like Dead Kennedy, Suicidal Tendencies, Black Flag, but you and know, Circle Jerks, Motorhead. Those four. Motorhead yeah. had a lot to do with that because, like, what he well, was they were doing earlier on, yeah, I know. But what I was gonna say, like the the shit that he was doing on a double bass, that yeah, I don't think a lot of people were doing that at the time. Where you know, he was very active, and like through that whole one of those songs, he's just all double bass, you know, so. Anyway, I'm just saying. that I think the earliest um, double bass thing I could think of as far as, and this is precedes metal pretty much, there was a band um, from Detroit. I don't know if they were based out of Detroit. They were supposed to have Jeff Beck as their guitar player, but he fucked his hand up. Uh-huh. And they turned into a band called Cactus. And the two guys, the the, the drummer and the bass player, were from Vanilla Fudge. And they the did a song called they did a blues song called Parchment Farm, and a dude's doing like this really fast double bass. Uh-huh. And Alex Van Van Halen appropriated that for hot for the teach hot for teacher. Yeah, so you already know Where the drum he, beat. but yeah. yeah, and it's like but there's like taste to it. There's like rhythm to it, like a blues rhythm. You know, it's not like well, it's, it's a more shuffle. like yeah, yeah. yeah it's, 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 a sh- it's exactly. Yeah. It's what a sh- is that? What that is? Yeah, I'm not really, yeah. You know. But but that would be the word to describe it. It's more. A- into a shuffle on a double bass, than a straight, you know, da, 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 it's still da, da, not da, something you can really do on one bass drum yeah. unless you're John Bonham. But that's what, but that's a good point that you brought up because I was going to say that at first people. Like um, the Who and all that, they had double bass for they the really aesthetic. Using it. It was aesthetic. It was exactly. aesthetic. They were showing it off, and then other people were like, "Hey, wait a minute, we could actually utilize that extra." And bass that was drum. Ginger Baker or Cream, but he didn't <laughs> do that much. No, here's the funny thing about Keith Moon uh-huh. is he had that giant drum kit with the two bass drums. All right, you know, like one or two of those rack toms didn't have a shell, didn't have a, a head, because he'd set his beers in it. Oh. He actually used one of the drums to set beers. That's in. gold, Jerry. <laughs> gold. I mean, talk about Spinal Tap, man. That guy invented Spinal Tap. <laughs> that dude He'd was moved. that dude was crazy. Oh, he. That's why he didn't shit. live very long. He I didn't. know. There's just no way like, a guy can live that long. <laughs> you can't like burn yourself. He, he was the one the that, started that started birth. throwing the televisions at us hotel rooms. Yeah. that was, he the rock all that star shit. thing where they just go insane Stupid in the hotels. Shit, yeah. He set the precedent. for Yeah, that, he started sure. that. Him and. And then Led Zeppelin followed through with all kinds of the weird mud shark stuff. But the guy mud in Cactus, shark. the drummer from Vanilla Fudge, uh-huh. I read his book. It's called Stick It. You know, um, okay, my life playing drums and or whatever. And it was a really good book. And um, you know he uh, he was doing the double bass thing. But yeah, he did that parchment firing thing. And like I said, Hot for Teachers is kind of based off that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's funny because John Bonham got a a Ludwig uh, endorsement through him because Vanilla Fudge had Zeppelin as an opening act. And, you know, he they they used to he said that he saw John Bonham doing something really incredible in, in, in a film and he asked him about it. And then John Bonham was like, I learned that from you. I learned I it by watching it you, Dad. Something about remember the the sticks that commercial or something? It was telling the He was like, Where did you get this? Where did you learn how to do this? I learned it by watching you. Oh, anyway, <laughs> no, he, he went and asked him that, and he's like, Well, yeah, I got, I stole that from you. <laughs> it's an this idea your he didn't foot, even realize he had. This is the bass drum pedal. This is your foot on the bass drum pedal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah. But, but shit, um, that's yeah. amazing. And, um, but yeah, it's like, and then in, now we've got, you know, dealt with those blast beats where everything's so fast. It's just like, it's just like one wave of sound. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. It's I trying just, to turn the drums into a sonic wave as opposed to rhythm. Yeah, it's it's basically Like I said, I know I've exaggerated and said, fuck a blast beat. I'm, I'm guilty of playing them. Sometimes it's not that I can't play them. But, you know, it's everything is taste, I, I, you know, times and seasons. So there's a, a there's a time and a place, I guess, to place it. And and there's some bands that just choose to use nothing but blast beats. I'm not blasting them, per se, <laughs> you know. But anyway. But I ultimately think the Circle Jerk started the really fast okay. drums. Because, yeah. you know, the Suicidal Tensies. Bringing it like, full circle yeah, on the because, Circle Jerk. <laughs> yeah, bringing it full Circle Jerk. <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> and um, because it's like, you watch that film... Uh, it's called um, God it's, What is it uh, There's a film with them And a few other bands playing There's Fear They didn't play that fast Black okay. Flag They didn't play nearly that fast and Hauling ass Hell, pace. Motorhead were faster than Black Flag Yeah, and Motorhead like, um, Cause they then, were all on fucking speed And the, the name, Motorhead Was like giving you a clue It's like But look. the circle This was in 1980 It's called uh, uh, Decline in the Western Civilization It was filmed mostly in 79 Okay but I think the Circle Jerk segment was filmed in like February of nineteen eighty or something, and uh they're going do dot do dot do red tape. Nobody else was red playing tape. nearly that fa- fast. So yeah, I think they the invented thrash. They don't want to take credit for it, but I'll give them the credit. Yeah, for that's it. your take on it. Yeah. I mean, well, if there was there might have been a couple of other bands playing that fast. Motorhead, they might have been. I have to figure out which album it yeah. was because I was going to say, you got to go back with your Motorhead history, because I think Motorhead had a lot to do with a lot of fucking genres. Well, Lemmy was really into the punk scene, too. He was not... Of course. He was, you know... He's dating Chrissy Hind, and, you know... Of the Pretenders, and the few, yeah. you know he was like well into that. You know he played bass for the Damned when they were in between bass players. Yeah. So and the Damned play that fast too. So yeah. those two bands were already. You got the metal band here and the punk band here, but then the metal band's got the punk drum. the Animal Taylor, you know. But <laughs> here's the thing: we were. I was talking about that TV show, The Young Ones. Yeah. There was an episode that Motorhead was on doing Ace of Spades. It's like they're Ace going, they're going to do a game show, and right before they leave their apartment. You know, Motorhead's playing in their living room doing Ace of Spades. Oh, that's pretty fucking that's pretty badass. Much. I'm gonna have to send that to your uh, your links yeah, and for stuff sure. along with I, that, I, you know, Lords I, of Chaos. I'm anxious to see that. Oh, that's it's freaking funny. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like uh, the the way they did the TV show is they would always have a band playing um, in their living room. They even had Stuart Copeland playing in a super group. Stuart Copeland. Yeah, it wasn't the Police, but it was like a, yeah. a super group with guys from Squeeze, and he was playing drums. And there was like five dudes, and they're in they're in the guy's living room playing, you know, just playing like they're they. What a there. great drummer was Stuart Copeland because, like, when was I was one of the first best, yeah. listening to you know rock and getting into it, I I really didn't appreciate the Police the way I should have. They didn't get. My attention until later on, and I started really listening to them, and, and how, you know how they placed their dyna- dynamics and all that. And I was like, "Man, Stuart Copeland is a is a fucking great drummer, man." They wouldn't have been the band that they no, became not without, without Stuart. Not, even, not Shit, even close, man. I do give Sting props because of course he's a I major first, talent. Well, when I was, but first, but they were all great. When I first started learning playing bass, mainly with the pick, I would do Police songs, and but the thing is, is Say a song like Driven to Tears, it's like the bass line is so easy to play, but then trying to sing that vocal part over that bass line. Okay. Good luck with that. Yeah. How's that working out for you? Yeah. That's when you have to separate, you know, I mean, you, you always have to do that, at that when you're than singing. Getty, Leah Rush. Lee yeah. Leah Rush does a lot of complicated stuff too. Of course. But the thing with Stuart, um, with Sting, is he was doing completely separate vocal parts than than the bass lines? No, I get what I you're got saying. One of the it's th- almost like you you know your po- poly rhythms on the drums when you're doing one thing with one hand and you're doing like almost the opposite, but you're doing it in cohesion. That's what he's Crazy. doing with his fucking vocals. So I it's polyrhythmic. Yeah, because when I play bass and vocals, I've got to sync the line with the vocal part. Yeah. there can't be that separate. Yeah, you, yeah, I mean you're feeling- be doing like a, an easy rhythm and doing like one long uh, yeah, under of the. D- d- I get exactly. They're what two you mean. separate rhythms, but they're in sync. I looked at the sheet music for the Police when I was in uh, modern music. Okay, and um, it was a one of the books like a complete history of the Police, and you would you would get like a breakdown of of Sting's vocal parts. Versus his bass lines, and you would look at the vocal melodies versus the bass lines. Yeah, and you're like, how the hell does one person? do How is that? he pulling that well, shit off? Well, it's piano. Like, how? Do, I don't even yeah. know how people play piano because the left hand and the right hand are doing all yeah, these. You have things. to have that that <laughs> that's more than the that drums, cohesion actually. between your right and left brain, you know, and you it's and crazy. you can actually manage it between both hands. Yeah, it's it it takes a definite talent and a gift. But I was just saying, yeah. And what you were mentioning is, yeah, of course, Sting can stand. Alone, I agree. But as far as the police sound, they wouldn't have achieved oh, no, that no, without the without, drums, no. without Stuart Copeland, man. But then, like, if wow. they would have kept their original guitar player, I don't know if they would have been nearly as unique because that guitar sound is very unique. Yeah, it's like true. the three of them had such unique perspectives of how to play music. That's what made that band so freaking original. And that's what I makes- mean. You don't hear people say, "Oh, that sounds kind of like the police." You don't hear that very often. It's That's a good point that you like that. that you make because I've never heard anybody compare any band personally. I'm not, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but okay, I've you're a musician, a yeah. I've but I've few. never really heard anybody saying, "Oh, this band sounds like the Police" or "This well, band." Well, there was a like couple police. instances like Rush when they were doing um, Signals. Okay, uh, people were saying like uh, they were sounding like the Police on New World Man with the drum rhythms and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Neil Peart took some of Stuart Copeland's drum parts and and integrated that (laughs) in the rush. Yeah, but er, er, But, every drummer does that. Of course, you know, know, why not? (laughs) Of course, because drums, like anything, man, any instrument is just, (laughs) is a vocabulary. And every beat is like a word, you know, per se, or every sound or whatever. So everybody assimilates these different you know, letters and phrases and all that. And you, and what you do as an individual is you take all these in, that's like learning the alphabet, and you learn how to arti- articulate that on your own. It's yeah. what makes you original. So, of course, you know, all your influences are going to be part of your musical palette per se, but how do you arrange that in your own way, you know. Yeah, that's I always heard it gives you like, your own sound. The only time I heard the com- police police comparisons were usually in bands that didn't sound that much like them, but then took an idea for the drums. Do you? I don't know. This is a little before your time too. There was a band called Missing Persons, and they had I've Terry. Ba- well, they had Terry Bazio playing drums, and he's hmm. up there with. Neil Pert and Stuart Copeland. I think he's like in that top five, ten drummers. John Bonham as well, and uh, him and uh, you know Bill Bruford from Yes with the with the rim shots. Yeah. And um yeah, his snare sound has been sampled a lot. Of course. But um, you know, Stuart Copeland and Bill Bruford have the really unique snare sound. I think because it has something to do with that traditional grip. Have you ever you do that with the snare well, at all? Just I know, had kind of, to when I was in marching band. You don't have you didn't a choice. You don't to use it as in a rock band. And I hate it. no, well, to tell you the truth, I hated it in marching band. It yeah. t- it's not natural. Like To those that are natural, like, I believe in, now I'm getting retarded, I'm going off the beaten path, but I believe that there's such thing as genetic memory, right? Yeah. So, in other words, like, if your ancestors aren't used to fucking driving and you come from a country that nobody, everybody's riding bikes and you come over here and you try to drive, you're a horrible fucking driver. And it's not just because... You know, you're a horrible driver in and of yourself. It's because you don't have anything passed down in your genes where it feels like into intuition intuitive it, yes, exactly and that's what intuition is you you actually inherit the genetic information of your ancestors so if your ancestors don't know how to drive a goddamn car you're going to be clueless and you're the first you you represent the first person that's learning how to drive that car I'm the first so person in my family that went to college I say that all to say is that those drummers that play and they're comfortable with that like traditional grip traditional grip it's because you know they've inherited that I'm, you know, I'm going off far, but I'm just saying, me, I reject that, like, it went against everything, like, I'm more of a, I I picked it up, I don't know if there's any drummers in my fucking line, like I said, I come from a long line of guitar players, and then I was just the the reject, and I decided I wanted to play drums, but I've never felt natural with the traditional grip, even though I started out young, I was like 14 in junior high, and they're telling me, you know, grip it, like, you know like that so i had to you don't have a choice yeah. you have and to when conform you're in front of those people, so i learned you have how, to conform, how to play guess, yeah. with the traditional grip but i never felt comfortable so as soon as when i'm playing on my own i'm like fuck that the traditional hell with grip that shit. but <laughs> but you're absolutely right because there's an angle you know if you want to get mathematical and you want to do all the mathematical mathematical formulas and shit if you look at the traditional grip when when you're when, the way that stick hits and all it's totally different from when you're hitting traditionally oh yeah so so that traditional grip it's almost like they're they have that like where they hit the rim shot more control to some point they hit that rim shot and the head they can hit that quicker you know whereas and that's what Stuart copeland does yeah like if you really analyze it when i hit my 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 the tip of my drum stick hits the head and then it hits the rim sometimes when they hit they hit the rim first and then it hits the head so there's there's i you could try to get as crazy as you want to analyzing this. And there's a lot of drummers that would well, say, Bill, you know Bill what? Bruford, this guy doesn't yeah. know what the fuck he's talking about, but this is just me trying I, to analyze. We know, we know what we're talking about. We're, <laughs> we're savanting idiots. But anyways, <laughs> so Bill Bruford's got, yeah. he's hitting the rim, but he doesn't do that traditional grip stuff. He just strikes it straight on. But if you listen to like all the older Yes stuff, it's like that's where all that all started, that 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 rim shot thing. And I, I love the way the snare sounds when the rim is hit. It's yeah. Just so nice. Yeah, because it gives it a more Power. pronounced exactly that thwack it cuts through the like, mix. Like exactly. And the, the only way and to you cut don't have to mess it in rock with it and roll much. anyway is when you hit that rim shot and the snare and you get the totality of that whack, you know? You don't have to deaf leopard yeah. the, the production up with a, <laughs> with a good leopard. Yeah. <laughs> they're to me they're like like I said they started click tracks and bad drum sounds yeah. in rock bands. I I point the blame right in their direction. Yeah. They did write some good songs though. I'll, I'll give them that. And my first concert, it was them opening for Ozzy. So okay. that was fun. Um, somebody on Facebook mentioned like the drummer jumping up and mooning the crowd. I totally forgot about that. He was wearing those, those British shorts or whatever, but he apparently he moved the crowd, but I can't remember that at all. Okay. But, uh, anyways, um, but, uh, w- one way before that, um, this is one of the things I wanted to talk about. Um, there's an album. Um, it's turning. I, I mentioned that to you before. It's uh, Fun House by the Stooges. It's turning okay. 50 tomorrow. Oh, I remember looking the at it like a month or two ago. 50th it, said, anniversary. it said August 18th. That's tomorrow. And um, I, you know, I didn't. A lot of people I know, they love that album. I love it too. But the thing was, I wish I could have heard it a lot earlier. Okay. Because. I didn't um I didn't hear it until and I know I mentioned this before I think I didn't hear it until like 1996. I wish I had heard it in '86, you know, yeah, like when I was really young, getting into all the punk okay. stuff. But but would you have appreciated it back then too? Because oh lo- yeah, oh yeah, okay. I would have. I would have loved it because it was it was very aggressive and it's very uh you know once you listen to it like all the way through you're, you're you'll get hooked. So like if you're changed forever. But the thing well the thing <laughs> was is like I uh, you know like that guy was. Uh, he was playing it at, at a club and i was and i'd heard everything by that by that point i probably most probably 90% of the rock stuff that i was really into was influenced by that album okay but yet when the guy played it in the pa it still like stood out yeah and i was so jaded at that point we're talking 96 i got All in right. atlanta in 92 and was going to see live music 3 to 5 nights a week every like Like every year. I mean, like every day, every year. You were steady in Atlanta, Georgia music scene. I'd seen thousands of bands at that point, or hundreds of bands at that point. And then when I heard that, I was like, it's almost like there's before Christ and after Christ. It's like before (laughs) Funhouse and after Funhouse. You were saved. uh, Well, that Henry Wallen's book I was telling you about, he's just talking about, he didn't even hear Funhouse before he joined Black Flag. And they basically said, well, you really have to listen to this album to get what we do as a band. Cause he already loved the band before okay. he was in the band, but he didn't get the whole funhouse thing. So, yeah. You know. But uh, yeah, they um, yeah that, that are one, they going to be releasing anything as far as that goes? Because you're you're announcing an anniversary. So they have a yeah they um a, they did this thing I. I can't afford to get it. <laughs> I'm gonna let all the listeners know how how, mu- yeah, well, send how much. send money for me. Yeah. <laughs> send money so I can buy this. It's the 50th anniversary. <laughs> no, they had like this weird like seven vinyl um, package where it's seven albums. I guess each song is done like ten or twelve times. I don't know. Like I heard, I read that like some one or two of those songs there was like maybe 38 takes of the same song. 38 te- and, but I can't imagine that. But, uh, uh, they're publishing that as far as like you could hear all 38 takes. Is that what you're saying? Well, I, I don't think it's every take of that particular song, but I, I think the it's like s- supposed to be like seven or eight vinyl albums. And then I think the CD version of it is like maybe four CDs or five CDs. Okay. It's like a box set for one freaking album. They did that with Pet Sounds of the Beach Boys. All right. It's like some of these, like iconic quote unquote albums, they get these treatments where, like, the fanatics, the ones that have you know better <laughs> real money, I guess, can go no out and fanatics. buy that stuff. Yeah, I mean, but uh, I wouldn't mind ha- at least hearing parts of it. I bet you one, I think, it, I don't know if it's out yet or if they're waiting for the ash, the birthday of the album is tomorrow, okay, which is the 18th, because yeah, because you were saying yeah, it's the 50th exactly. anniversary, yeah. and that's why I asked you, I was like, well, are they releasing something tomorrow? Like, it's a big. I- I think this vinyl thing has been out for a couple of months to mm-hmm. anticipate the birth. Okay, so they already anticipated it and they're like, you well, know, we're already getting I'm thinking, ready for the 50th anniversary. Well, usually, these things that aren't people. The, the birthday lasts Like the entire year <laughs> You know yeah. It's like wow It's been around for 50 years But you don't like Mention the actual date okay. but I, I looked it up On Wikipedia I saw that it was On the 18th And I was like Damn man That's when the actual Date of the album Came out You know And how much did you say They're asking for that I or, don't know I, Oh I so the, you didn't mention I think that the, You were just Anticipating An was, astronomical amount you're like Okay There was a guy I'm on, taking donations By oh, the way yeah, we, we'll, I should we'll, I should start like A GoFundMe <laughs> So I can yeah. buy we're going to put a donation button attached to this. <laughs> Go fund <laughs> death metal Douglas. He has to ride the bus and he needs to stooge his albums. So. Uh, um, and he'll the, tell you what it's like. You don't have to buy it for yourself. You know, invest in Doug. I do all he'll, the work he'll, Yeah, you. he'll do all the work. So it, it'll be well be, worth... Does 90. more before 9 a.m. than the rest of you put together a year past tenfold. Oh, good stuff. But um, the funny thing is, yeah, it's like... Uh, but yeah, it's like, um, they, yeah, a lot of times they do these box sets things. Like right. They did that for Pet Sounds of the Beach Boys, and it's like a big thing. Like, they had this one CD where it was just all the vocal parts without the music for Pet Sounds on the Beach Boys. All right. Because they were even doing that in the 60s, separating the vocals. That and would drive me. Yeah, Nuckin that's fucks. a little too. Nuckin yeah, fucks. well, <laughs> you're. Well, you have to be one of those types of yeah. fanboys, and I am to a point, but not yeah, that I far. I like way too many things to go that far. No, but far y- into yeah, one of course. Y- now with Funhouse, I still want to hear the the mm. other versions of these songs. I don't want to hear 38 takes of one tune per se. But speaking yeah. of the bit, Beach Boys, with your particular project with Head Cave, you actually have some um, sound bites of of Manson so and which I thought were fucking great this fucking genius and like the Manson that dude and, and yeah and, you well, know he, the expression where he's like oh blah and your children blah blah the ways that that's a great fucking soundbite but what but I'm trying to lead to is like you're gonna have, be coming <laughs> right after you <laughs> Yeah, your children, <laughs> and and but what I was gonna say about that is like, um, the Beach Boys connection, I, exactly. That's where I wanted to get it's to. the drama. How who much died. do you know about the Beach Boy connection to Manson? Well, here's the thing Charles um, Manson, somehow, Charlie Manson knew the producer, I guess, Terry Melcher. I don't know much about him. But legend has it, right? Okay. Um, the legend, yeah, really. <laughs> Manson already had all these girls in the ranch and all kinds yeah. of drugs going, so a lot of people kind okay. of already started knowing about his, you know, functions or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. them. And um, so somehow, um, <clears throat> I guess he hooked uh, Brian um, Dennis Wilson. The, you know, the Beach Boys. The, there was Brian Wilson, the main songwriter. Yeah, there was Carl Wilson. He was mm-hmm. the guitar player. He sang. And um, you know Brian was the bass player when the band started, and then they had a drummer right. named Dennis Wilson. Okay. And then Mike Love is the singer, and Al Jardine is the other guitar player. Yeah. So it's it's three Wilson guys. So Dennis Wilson, the drummer, and supposedly I don't know how it worked out with Terry Melcher, but like they had that house. Terry Melcher owned a house that um, you know they were partying at, and then Manson went and killed everybody in the house. But of course, it was <laughs> Sharon Tate and. All those yeah. people, and you know, the rest we all know. Or yeah, you know. well, Quentin Tarantino just made a movie, which you know, it had fucking Brad Pitt actually won an Emmy or something off that movie. I don't know if you saw that movie. What's oh, the goddamn wait, name of that? I thought I read a little bit about that. That already came in winning. He I actually guess. did a, he, like his take on Bruce Lee, and then Bruce Lee fanatics were like saying that. Oh tw- yeah, Bruce Lee. That he misrepresented, you know of uh, well, the of course fan, not fanatics just fanatics are always going to Not just the about fanatics but of yeah. course his family his sister was like how dare you uh, not his sister his daughter was like my dad was nothing like that you're making him look like some kind of egotistical maniac yeah. but you know part of Bruce Lee's thing was getting away from the ego so she probably has a point yeah of yeah. course i mean she she has a right to speak on <laughs> That's her <your> dad, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so, I'm I not- feel real bad for the mom too because yeah. she but lost at the her same husband, time, but she lost her kid in that freaking crow movie with the bullet and stuff. Well, too. It's you've heard of such a sad. You've thing. heard of the curse, right? That they that yeah. the Chinese fucking mafia said that you know you and all of your heirs will be destroyed for your betrayal. <laughs> you know, well, there's a there's. <laughs> Well, there that's Jesus goes back Christ. to the whole Jane Mansfield curse where she, she uh basically is decapitated in an accident in nineteen sixty seven. And uh we're yeah, we're going way off topic, but it don't matter. But anyways, yeah. so she like um supposedly Anton LaVey, the guy that started the satanic church, he put mm-hmm. he did not like he was fucking around on his wife and he was doing Jane's Mansfield. I mean Wait, he was doing Marilyn Monroe hold on. in the fifties. That's a surprise. A, a Satanist would be fucking around on his wife. That's that's weird. I could barely <laughs> I like really. I could barely stomach that concept. Not. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, how yeah, many I mean, those motherfuckers you know, yeah. are like all fucking orgy maniacs with OTO and and who set the precedent for that? Alistair Crowley, you know, and all oh, of the he was sex terrible. magic. He was no, Anton Lavey had a lot more honor than Crowley. Yeah, but anyways, anyway, let yeah, he he reel like, it back in. <laughs> he didn't like he didn't like the the boys boyfriend that mansfield was cheating on her husband with okay or no way he she was already divorced and she had a new boyfriend he was a lawyer
1: right. so he
0: put a curse on that guy so he would die unfortunately when he died she was in the car with him and had her head cut off Damn. i saw this um, which you reel it back in into curses where it's like curses, so spooky exactly. that anton lave put a curse on him that yeah. you hear about these curses and then they come to fruition and you're like, fuck. (laughs) There might be something about this cursed shit. Well (laughs) it's you know, life isn't that random. There's patterns here and there. Yeah. There's definitely um, then you got these sayings like I saw this on Facebook yesterday. It's just like I hate this freaking saying. I mean, you might like it. Maybe other people do, but it usually it comes out of the mouth of a of an idiot. All right. Everything happens for a reason. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's as profound. The, that's as a so freaking, cliche and it's and, cliche. It's profa- as profound as profound as an ass pimple. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I mean. If you want to go into the semantics of the Big Bang and the universe starting from you know almost nothing into exploding into everything and and then the Christians you know they want to measure the sun to the earth and that's their argument. They're like everything happens so perfectly. How could there not be a god? I'm not saying the astrology bullshit trying to push that into science. (laughs) Fuck that. Yeah, and then there's that because they're but you know what? I actually well. I, I'll say about astrology. What their basis is, they're like saying... Ass. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm not... They're not right, keep going. <laughs> I'm not saying their basis is ass, ass. Ass. Ass so big you can see it from the front. But no, I'm saying is... I, she got that big disappoint Just a point. Just in for... This is just... Towards the science of astro astrology because a lot of people think it's hocus pocus, but i I was looking at that the other day and thinking there's an element of science to it because if it, it they say that we're ninety percent water, right? And if yeah. we're ninety percent water, we we are subject to a magnetic influence, and and the reason why. That they call lunatics Lunatics is because for some reason People go batshit crazy When there's a fucking full moon But what, what else happens on a full moon The tide, you know The moon is so close to the earth or whatever It actually affects the fucking ocean and, and the tide goes up or whatever So that's the same thing that happens to us All the water that's in our fucking body Gets affected by the magnetic pool Of the fucking moon So some people lose their fucking shit And they don't even know why when there's a fucking full moon, which probably leads to the, the all those things about werewolves or, or and all that shit. <laughs> Werewolf in London. So all I'm trying uh, to say, woo. yeah. So, th- <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is I can actually understand that there's a basic element to science behind astrology, meaning that the stars out there. Well, yeah, it's involved can, with astronomy, which makes it somewhat. Can actually the affect, you know, they can actually have an effect on what's going on down here. And then, of course, if your molecules are being pulled one way or another, you might act in a certain way. I'm not saying that that dictates that you could say, "Oh, yeah, a Taurus is going to do this, or an Aries is going to do this, or a Gemini." You, uh, you uh, that's what they say. You can the defy. Your says you're going to have a really wonderful week. And you're <laughs> you gonna can make def- a lot of money this week, and you're going to do this, that, exactly. and the other. I'm not saying that far. <laughs> you know, you can you can defy your stars. But well, what I'm trying to say is that I, I felt the same way you did initially, where oh that's just poppycock, and astro- astrology is just fucking insanity. But there's there is one little like a grain of fucking science in that, and like I said, I just stated that it's that the moon literally pools on water, and we're and and you see it by the ocean. So yeah. and we're not any different. So that's why there's that people get fucking crazy when there's a full moon because all the water in your body starts to get magnetically cooled by the moon and, and some people just can't feel.